Ah, yes. Well, it's good to have an international feel to our, uh, to our seminar <laughs> with our English cousins. Um, we, uh, I like to joke with my English colleagues. Tearfund is a global organization, and lots of my friends, our friends within the team, are English. So we often talk about rugby and football and all of the other cultural um, flashpoints. Anyway, you're so welcome wherever you're from. My name's Chris. I'm from Waringstown, which is basically like Kilbride of, of County Armagh. Nobody really knows where it is unless you're um, from there. And uh, I work uh, with the team in Tearfund. And this is David. He's actually Irish, so goodness me, we're truly international. Uh, and David uh, heads up our advocacy and our campaign stuff. He'll introduce himself in a little minute. So uh, this is entitled A Rubbish Workshop. I really hope it's not uh, rubbish, but we are going to be thinking around climate and around rubbish, around waste, and how those things uh, impact our thinking around justice. Okay, so Jade was thinking about racial justice a little while ago. What else have you talked about this weekend? Um, we have fast fashion. Fast fashion. Was anybody at any of those other seminars? The two at the back, the keynotes, the keynotes on the sofa. Okay, brilliant. So. This is going to be a, a hopefully an interesting one for you, and it's going to unpack some of the stuff that um, impacts the people who live in poverty the most around waste, but also it's going to impact our spirits as we think around how we use uh, the, the things in our hands, how we interact with the stuff we own here in Northern Ireland. Let's do a quick quiz. First of all, there's prizes in the front table here. So, Granny... Granny says there's going to be a quiz, so let's do a quiz. So, question one. According to, the UA, according to the UN, if no action is taken, how many million people will be pushed into poverty by 2030 as a result of the climate crisis? Okay, so the climate crisis is pushing the poorest even more into poverty. So, welcome, come on in. Are you from Kilbride? Yes. Um, more and more people are getting pushed into poverty by the climate crisis. So in the next 10 years, no, in the next, what year is it? In the next seven years, is are 82 million people, 112 million people, or 132 million people going to be pushed further into poverty because of the impacts of climate change? See, you're right, 132 million people are gonna be pushed into poverty uh, because of changes to the climate. Okay, next one. Uh, when did scientists first start to talk about climate change? I have three options, but I just want you to fire away guess first. <laughs> I, th I was, I was going to ask more like for a year. Give me a year. But I like your attitude. <laughs> That's how they rule in Kilbride. Give me a year when you think... Science started thinking that there's, there's human-impacted changes to the climate. 1980s. Anybody got higher or lower? 1971. Girls? Further back or more recent? Seventies. The answer is 1856. That is B, so well done, <laughs> the Kilbride team. So in 1856, there was a physicist called Eunice Foote, and they were the first person to, dis to discover that adding carbon dioxide into the atmosphere increased the temperature. So that was the first understanding that something that we were doing was changing the world around us. Uh, so 1856. 
Okay, how many out of 10, so out of 10, how many Christian teenagers are in the, in the UK are worried about climate change? What do you think? Two out of 10, eight out of 10, five out of 10, 10 out of 10, six out of 10, four out of 10, seven out of 10, thank you, Jade. The answer's not three out of 10, good guess. So nine out of 10, so according to research, tier funds carried out, nine out of 10 teenagers around the UK, Christian teenagers, are worried about the impacts of climate change. Maybe two more. How many out of 10 Christian teenagers in the UK think their church is speaking enough about climate change? Two out of 10, good guess. One out of 10, good guess. Zero out of 10, oh my goodness, this is not good. The answer is one out of 10, well done. So nine out of 10 Christian teenagers are concerned about the future in terms of climate, and only one out of 10 thinks the church is, we don't be negative, but is well equipped or doing a good job around, around um, thinking that through. Let's do one about rubbish, because um, we're gonna weave that into what we're talking about today. How many people in the world have no safe way to dispose of rubbish? Two million, four million, or eight million? Sorry, yep, two million, four million, or eight million. Billion, sorry, that's billion we're talking about. Two billion, four billion or eight billion? Four billion. That's half, almost half the world's population. Eight billion is nearly all the world's population. Could be right. The answer is two billion people. So that's a quarter of the population in the world have no bin collections, they have no refuse, like waste disposal centers, what do you call them now, recycling centers. A quarter of the world's population. Okay, David, stand up. Give somebody, give us a wee sense of your Irish accent. Sing us a wee, uh, wee jig. <laughs> oh, it's quick off the mark there. Um, is this is this where I go, dirtle, 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 and then? Yeah, 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 yeah. Basically, yeah. No, you totally can just like mock me for the next little while because I sound slightly different. But uh, I, I've been given Jade hard enough time in the office about her Ballymena accent, so I think it's only fair that when I'm in this part of the country that you get to then mock me for 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 my my funniness as well. Um, but I'm going to just outline a wee bit of the problem we're trying to address today at Tier Fund. Um, and as I said, we're going to think a little bit about climate because that is linked into the issue of rubbish, and particularly like plastic waste as well. Uh, at Tier Fund, we're sort of, we're seeing the world around us. It's, it's temperatures are rapidly increasing um, and they're increasing at a far too fast a rate uh, for the world to be, continue to be a safe place for, for every community to live, to live on it. Uh, and climate is ultimately causing increased levels of poverty. So in Tier Fund, a lot of the communities we're supporting because the climate is already rapidly changing in a lot of those places. If you imagine you're a farmer, you're relying on irrigation, you're relying on wells, you're relying on very specific rainy seasons to grow your crops, to feed your family. All of that is changing and it's changing really, really, uh, really fast at a much faster rate than what we thought it might do. Um, and that means that climate change is becoming a bit of a, a threat multiplier, we're calling it. What do, you, what do you reckon that means? Do you reckon, I'm going to ask somebody, uh, one of the girls over here, what do you, what, when I say a threat multiplier, and I can, maybe, maybe, hang on, let me change that, a threat multiplier, no, I'm sorry. Uh, what, do you, what do you reckon? 
Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's almost like climate is causing other issues to become even worse. So let's say for an example, climate is almost like incentivizing conflict in certain communities where tier funds working. So again, think back to the example. Imagine you've got a load of communities that rely on maybe one well to get all their water. When that water starts drying up, what you see is then sometimes maybe gangs come along, they try and control the water. And it means then you send sort of, climate is almost incentivizing conflict uh, in parts of the world. Conflict, as we know, is driving migration. So we're getting almost like, almost like climate refugees, you know, as people move to look for a better life in different places. So climate in itself is just, it's, that's what we mean by a threat multiplier. It's causing other issues to become even, even more amplified. And as I said, the world is almost dying faster than we can save it. Uh, and one day it may become too late. But don't worry, it's not all, it's not all doom and gloom. We do believe in the hope of Christ. We do believe in our, in our faith as well. Um, and Tier Fund and Youthscape, we've already touched a bit about it on the quiz. I think it's worth reiterating some of those figures. In terms of talking to young people about this issue, 9 out of 10 Christian young people in the UK said they were concerned about climate. So it's almost all of the people surveyed, uh, or the young people surveyed, um, said that they cared about climate. Only 1 in 10, so almost, yeah, almost everybody, I suppose, thought that their churches were not doing enough about it. And then 8 out of 10... Um, Christians, young, young Christians felt that churches and Christians should be responding to climate. So really big gap, big need, a big gap to fill. And that's setting the scene in terms of climate. So knowing the damage that consuming fossil fuels uh, is causing, a lot of oil companies are now trying to tap into plastics actually as a way to drive, almost like oil and gas is less and less popular these days, isn't it? You know, it's almost like we know how much fossil fuels is, is causing so much damage. And actually, some of these companies are pivoting actually towards plastic and trying to really drive uh, our sense of consumerism, uh, which is where I'm going to hand over to Chris, and he's going to chat to you a wee bit about consumerism. Great. <clears throat> Stick your hand up and tell me what you think consumerism means. Give me a wee definition. Yeah, okay, great. So when you have a lot of something uh, and when you consume that thing, great. Great definition. Anybody else want to take a stab at it? Jade. Great. Yeah, so consumerism is the is the sea that we're swimming in. It's all around us. It's that drive to own more things. Yeah, marketing is a big part of it. So all the adverts you see that tell you you'll be really cool if you own this piece of clothing or if you drive this car, you'll feel really good about yourself or I love perfume ads. I don't love them, but they're classic. Like, what are they selling? It's this idea of self. It's this... Uh, way that you look or feel, um, which then encourages you to consume, and it's all around us. And maybe you've never thought about that, and maybe you've never thought it's anything to do with climate or it's anything to do with rubbish and waste, and you wouldn't be the only one in that. But if we take a quick tour of the last 50 years, we'll discover that the production of plastics that are thrown away, so 
very quickly disposed of plastics has exploded in the last 50 years since the Second World War as as people have discovered solutions to everyday problems, uh, everything from like shipping to food storage, stuff you put your fridge, your Tupperware lunch in, all these things have driven the use of plastics in supermarkets and everywhere else. Um, some of these solutions have made a really you know, a big difference to your lives and they're things that are good, uh, but lots of them have made um, negligible differences to your lives but have really exploded the problem of, of waste and disposable waste. Um, since the 1950s, so 70 years, an estimated 8.3 billion tons of plastic has been produced. So that's one ton for every person born in that time frame. So that's a ton of plastic for each of us here in the room, which is quite a shocking amount. And of course, the driving power behind plastic production is oil and gas. So oil and gas drives the energy to create it but it's also the raw material that makes plastic. Plastic is an oil, a fossil fuel product. Um, and so there's this, it's made a difference to your lives. But there's also this flip side to plastic and that's the environmental degradation caused by both the production of it and also the disposable of it. And Tierfund, we're really passionate that we're really concerned that for lots of stuff we're going to talk about today and lots of stuff you'll hear about the news around climate, it's people who are already in poverty who are paying the highest price. And often it's in communities where these things are made uh, who suffer the most. It's not so much likely to be us. And so the exponential growth, in other words, just the explosion of, of the use of plastic has shaped our, uh, our, like our culture and our norms. Whenever something's disposable, we don't value it. And so that changes how we think about things. If something is uh, devalued and disposed of very quickly, then we think we should use it quicker and quicker. And so whenever we buy things, we don't really have to think about what happens when we're finished with them. That's not part of the marketing. That's not part of what we have been, created or been brought up now to think through. And so we've totally lost touch of the full cycle of, um, of a product uh, that people in the 50 years ago would have understood a little bit better. As people of God, it's really important that we question uh, what our disposable throwaway culture is doing to our hearts. This culture, this consumer culture, has created this desire in us to find satisfaction in the things that we own, the things that we consume. Uh, and so we then are driven to base our identity on those things, about what we can acquire and what we have. It's driven by marketing and advertising, uh, often of stuff that we don't need and we probably can't afford. <laughs> but that doesn't matter to the marketer. And so for people called by God to have our identity in him, actually that's a poison in our souls. This idea that we are pushed to have our identity in other things. As Christians, we've been called to have our identity in Christ, and this is a counter claim to our souls. And so the outcome is that we begin to see ourselves as disposable. We begin to see other people as disposable. We begin to see the world as disposable. We don't often think like that. We don't consciously think of ourselves as disposable or the things other people as disposable. But that is what that culture shapes us to think. We're just encouraged not to think at all about where our stuff goes and that impacts our hearts and our minds. This ultimately then disconnects us from our neighbors. And by neighbor, I don't just mean the person living beside you, but everybody across the world. It disconnects us from them. It disconnects us from God and it disconnects us from God's creation. And it's that disconnect that shapes so much that's wrong in our world. 
It turns out Jesus had a whole lot of stuff to say around consumerism. He didn't use that word, uh, but he had a lot to say about wealth, possessions, and calling us and his, his early disciples to live differently. Let me just read you a couple of verses that tell the story. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life isn't about what you own. Luke chapter 12, uh, Jesus talking to the rich man, sell your possessions and give to the poor, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matthew 6, do not worry about your life. What you'll eat or drink, about your body, what you'll wear, everything that the marketers tell you to worry about, <laughs> what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Matthew six twenty four, you cannot serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's Matthew six twenty four. The word money in, in the Gospels is, the original word is mammon. That's the word that Jesus would have said. And so most scholars agree that that word, Jesus wasn't just talking about money like coins. He was talking about something a little bit more than that, a little bit deeper than that, probably talking about an actual power. Uh, uh, you could say a demonic power, but certainly a spiritual reality to the money that's in our pocket. And so Jesus names mammon, names wealth, as being something that is often placed in direct opposition to the kingdom of God, to his kingdom. Because mammon makes this, makes this claim on our hearts to be a rival lord because it demands our identity and starts to shape us. And so when we talk about a system that wants us to identify, it wants us to have our identity in things, what we own or wear, we're actually being called to put our identity in something other than Christ, a different Lord who demands our allegiance. And that's why Jesus takes money and wealth really seriously. In fact, he only talks about one other thing more. wonder what you think that might be. Jesus talks about a lot of stuff. Money and wealth is the second most popular thing he talks about. What do you think the first might be? Don't know. My English friend? The kingdom of God, which was his bread and butter. The second thing behind that was wealth and the importance of having a heart that holds wealth well. So money for Jesus wasn't like a neutral thing. I think sometimes we can think of it like that. It wasn't a neutral thing or a straightforward thing that we can own. It's hard to own it well. It's something that can do immeasurable good. And in Tierfan, we see that because people who give very generously from Northern Ireland and elsewhere in the UK, that money does amazing things. But it's also something that can master us. And so we need to hold it really, really carefully. We don't want to be members of an alternative kingdom where mammon, where wealth is our God. Let me read out this little uh, quote, and then I'm going to hand with some questions over to you guys. This is an English guy, Andy Crouch. God wishes to put all things into the service of people and ultimately to bring forth the flourishing of creation through the flourishing of people. Mammon, wealth, wants to put all people into the service of things and ultimately bring about the exploitation of all creation. It's an opposite way of living. Money's not bad, but we have to really be careful about how we hold it. Let me ask you some questions for your table. Just pick one, maybe, that you want to answer. Think about an advert. We were talking about adverts and marketing. Think about an advert you saw recently on TV or on social media. Just decipher it. Go a little bit deeper. How was it trying to speak into your identity? 
what was important in your heart. Do you think the Bible has anything to say about consumerism? I've read a few verses there. Was that new for you? Or have you thought about that that's something God is concerned about before? Have you ever thought of that idea of wealth being a rival Lord that demands our attention or allegiance or our love? Uh, and then the last question might be, what would it mean for us to live simply? In other words, to loosen the, the hold that wealth has over us. So two minutes. Pick a question in your group now that you want to answer. And uh, answer. And I'll uh, put some music on. Do, 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 do. Okay, she will bring it back in. Anybody want to share some thoughts? Top line? Go on, go for it.
yeah. It's a very like directional messages. You absolutely need this sort of stuff, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Every time I open my Gmail, I just get like adverts for whatever I've been searching for. When I was looking for a pair of jeans last week, and it's like, yeah, Google's Google's promotional tab is always telling me now about about my ASOS searches. You know. Anybody else? Yeah, here's what you've missed out on. Yeah, there's just a cycle. They want they want you on a treadmill almost. Yeah, yeah, very good. We're we're gonna we're gonna start thinking a little bit more about about rubbish uh, specifically. But just before we do that, I'm conscious it's like half four on your final day of or second last day of summer madness. So does everyone want to stand up? Just do a little bit of a stretch. Let's just get a stretch. So get your right arm. Just give a little, little stretch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't had a shower in a while, maybe, I don't know, lift your knees or something. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. And just nice little roll, little roll of the shoulders. Little roll of the shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. And anybody who's listening to these uh, seminars on the way back, I hope you're also doing the same. Cheers. Have a seat. Have a seat. We're gonna, gonna just think a little bit more about plastic in particular as we think about consumerism. Uh, and I, w I wanted to ask you a question. What image comes to mind when you think of like plastic waste? What's the first thing that sort of pops up? Go for it. Yes, yeah, turtle, turtle with like a, almost like a, it's like a beer or, a, or like a, you know, plastic for cans, yeah. A rubbish dump, that's what you think of, yeah. Go ahead. And an, a rubbish of island, yeah. or an island of rubbish even. Yeah, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Anybody else? But yeah, I think I think yeah, really, really, really good images, and they're almost the ones that we see the most in the media, isn't it? We turn on the news. There's some big report out about plastic waste. Often it's like accompanied with a picture of maybe uh, a seagull or a turtle, their heads stuck and covered in a in a in a plastic plastic rings uh, and while obviously we're really concerned about that as well like for tear fund we really are also really interested in like the, the human impact of, of plastic waste and the human impact of our, our throwaway culture what does it mean for the communities that tear fund supports overseas in in various different places across the world um, i want to share with you a little bit about uh, a time i spent in haiti so haiti's in the caribbean uh, tear fund does some work there as well does does lots of work um, and I had the privilege of going over there a couple of years ago to work with a, a number of young people 
who are really interested in climate, really interested in the environment, and they wanted to start campaigning in Haiti. They had this great idea of turning their sort of region, almost like turning Balamina into like a green zone. Uh, and these were just young, young Christians who were just like, we want to do this, and then we want to lead the way um, in, in the rest of, of Haiti as sort of being a, a green, green sort of shining light to the rest of Haiti. And I remember when I was there, just being really shocked by, you would go, you'd be in a car, maybe traveling through a part of the city, uh, Port-au-Prince, which is like the capital, and the rivers were literally just like, like covered in, in, in waste. So there was like a screen on earlier on in here. Actually, still, there's still some, some stuff going on in the background. You'll see some images of some like rivers that are completely full to the brim with, with waste. And that was the sort of thing I saw in Haiti, like, yeah, just streams, and, but even, and even streets as well just completely covered in, in piles of waste. And like what we talked about earlier in this talk, you know, a lot of places in the world don't have, you know, we don't have a, a brown bin, a, a, a green bin sitting in, outside your house. For some of these people, you probably maybe not even living in a house, you might be living in a, a small dwelling. And what do you do with your waste? You know, it's, it becomes a really big issue. I often, uh, when I was in Haiti, I had, um, this, is, this, is, this is interesting, for dinner I had like a little bit of goat and then, like on the way back, I remember being like, "Hang on a second, the goats are like hanging out in like the piles of rubbish, and they just like that becomes part of your 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 food. Like it's just absolutely um, really, really in, in in one sense insane to watch it, but also really um, heartbreaking, you know, to watch that level of of poverty as well. Uh, and that's ultimately like why at Tearfund we care about plastic waste. It's Yes, there's the environmental aspect, but it's really affecting our brothers and sisters overseas as well, um, who, are, who are literally living in, in mountains of, of waste. So often, the reason why this is, uh, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a, an impact in that sense, but also there's a really big issue with, like, people's health. So when you've got, like, mountains of rubbish, a lot of people just take to, like, maybe burning it. And if, if you've ever, like, walked past a fire and, like, there's a bit of plastic in it, you get these horrible fumes, right? And pe you end up, people in these communities are often breathing in these fumes, causing lots of issues with their, their lung health going forward, which again, is just a big reason why Tearfund is really interested in campaigning in some of these issues. So, and as we've mentioned today, half of all plastic is designed to be used just once before being discarded. And you'll see in this picture, that was a lot of the stuff that I was seeing in, in Haiti at the time. And as we've mentioned, Two billion people in these countries, low to middle income countries, don't have access to the waste collection. And as I said, they're then burning it. And that is causing some pretty serious um, health impacts for people. People dying younger than what they need to. Um, and at Tearfund, we really believe that every person alive today is made in the image of God. And again, that is a big motivator for why we do what we do. We don't believe it's right that our brothers and sisters have to live among piles of waste. Um, and I love this quote from Eugene Cho. He's a pastor um, and also the CEO of an NGO. He says, to do justice means to render to each what each is due. Justice involves harmony, flourishing, and fairness. And it is based on the image of God in every person. The Im Imago Dei, am I saying that right? Yeah, let's go with that one. Image of God that grants all people inalienable dignity and infinite worth. And that is ultimately why we're, we've launched this campaign and why we're talking a lot about rubbish. Uh, so gonna have a few more questions as well. So a couple of questions here to think about. Were you aware of the impact of plastic pollution before maybe coming to the seminar? 
Uh, now that you've heard a bit more about it, how does it make you feel? So just take a couple of minutes again in your wee groups, have a wee chat. These questions are there to guide you. You don't need to stick to them necessarily. Feel free to have more of an open discussion about plastic waste and then maybe as a Christian and as, a, as someone as a follower of Jesus, what this might mean for you going forward. So we'll take a couple of minutes and then we'll come back to you guys. Will we uh, wrap it up so that we can uh, head towards the finish? You guys are having a great conversation. So give us a summary of what you're talking about. Brilliant. So that we, sorry, go. Great. So yes, the church, we've the church has an obligation to help us think us through, and maybe it's just not on our news the way it maybe was two or three years ago. That's so true. You guys want to share anything? What you're talking about? I was speaking to a church recently who, uh, hands up whose church does like a holiday Bible club over the summer and do you get t-shirts made with like Pyramid Rock or, you know, whatever the name of the thing is. This church just did one t-shirt, name of the church, Kids Ministry. And uh, and that was their, they used that every year regardless of what their theme was. And so they were, instead of buying 50 new t-shirts every year, they bought 50 and I did them for three or four years. And I thought that was a very simple little thing they can do to reduce their, uh, their waste. Let's think about very quickly ways that we can take action in response to what we've been talking about. The first thing you can do is make your... Oh, no, we'll come back to that. This is what you can do. This is a bingo. Not bingo, bingo. So this is uh, Plastic Free July. So you can get the QR code, and that will download you this little bingo sheet, which is a way of little challenges, little very simple things to help tune your mind to what it might be like to reduce uh, the stuff that you're using. So, I mean, use a, re use a reusable coffee cup. Easy peasy. Um, visit a refill shop. Maybe a little bit more challenging. You have to go find out where that is and visit it. Uh, make a room. I uh, don't know where that one is. Buy plastic-free fruit and veg. If you're a kid, you're not going to be doing any of that, but your mom and dad could. Um, make a permanent switch to cut out something um, single-use that you use regularly and switch it for something else. So that's a wee challenge you can do. Uh, it'd be a good thing to do with a youth group or just in your family. We're going to do it next week in my family and try and see how many we can take off uh, with, with my kids. Um, so really simple thing. If it's not plastic and you just want to think about the broader consumer thing, why not just commit to not buying new clues between now and September? It doesn't sound that hard, and yet you're going to get advertising for new clues between now and September. So, or even just in August, buy them all now in July, and then <laughs> spend a month. You know, little challenge like that. Or only buy second-hand clues for the next two months. Go to Vinted. It's all good. Uh, little challenges like that that broaden our understanding and challenge us to think 
a little bit more about the cycle of what we own, uh, and this is a good challenge for your plastic. David, two more actions. Yeah, so two more really practical things that you can do is we've got a, a rubbish campaign going. I think we have some action cards, don't we, Jade, down the end? So we've got some cards here that you can sign, and that will add your name to a petition that we're running. Yeah, you can do it online. So you can also scan that QR code, and you'll be brought to our uh, rubbish campaign online as well. And there's a, an online uh, petition you can fill in. Listen, that petition's really important because the UN are currently talking a lot about plastic. They're trying to come up with a plastics treaty that will really govern how much plastic our world should really be producing and consuming. We've got a couple of asks for the, the people who are involved in that treaty. So we want them to bring in legally binding targets to reduce plastic production, so try and have less plastic made, uh, trying to increase recycling rates, um, trying to, to help waste pickers. So there's there's a lot of people that tier from support overseas, and actually their job is almost working um, in these areas. They make their living from the waste, as we reduce our consumption, we need to help these people move into other careers, give them new jobs, um, and then also mechanisms to ensure businesses and governments take action. So that, if you add your name to that petition, we'll be taking that to the UN and um, raising our voice as Christians, saying we really care about this, and we care about it because our, our brothers and sisters are suffering because of this. So feel free to fill out the action forms, or you can do it online as well. Jade will... will distribute them in a, in a wee bit. And finally, just pray. So I've just mentioned there about that that treaty. We'd love you to pray for the negotiations, pray for Tearfund even in, as we're in those spaces. Some of our staff members will be there trying to um, influence those negotiations to, to have positive outcomes. So again, you can pray for reduction in plastics, greater use of recycling, um, respect for, for waste pickers, and that government and businesses respond. Um, so you can they're the, they're the core asks of our petition, so you can feel free to take that away and um, include that in maybe some of your prayer times. Even really, really random idea. Maybe you're doing like a creative prayer session. You could even set up maybe a little prayer station in your in your your um, prayer stations to remind you to to pray for these kind of things as well. And yeah, I think that's roughly roughly us, Chris, isn't it? It is. Let me pray then, uh, and you can stick around as long as you want. And Jade will give out those things as well. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we. Um, we are so humble before you, knowing that you've made the whole world and you've made us to belong to you. You've made us to be members of your kingdom and your family. We uh, say sorry, Lord, for the times our hearts have been um, pulled into an alternative way of thinking, an alternative kingdom that demands our allegiance. And part of that is the waste that we've produced, a billion tons per person over the last 50 or 60 years. Lord, help each of us here as as people who belong to Christ, uh, to think carefully about how we live, to strive to live more simply, and help our churches to think and help us to live simple lives uh, as we think about creation around us, as we think particularly around the, about those impacted the most by changes to our climate. Uh, Lord, help Tear Fund uh, and others around the world too who are advocating for the poorest, who are speaking up for those made in the image of God and beloved by you. And we want a world that's fair, Lord Jesus. We want a, fair, a world that's, that's renewed and restored. And we pray that, that you would make that happen. Lord, come, Lord Jesus. May your kingdom come. And help us as we seek to do that here in this country as well. And so we love you, Jesus, and we ask you to, to be with us as we leave this place. In your name, amen. Thank you so much. Uh, please. Uh,
stick around and Jade will give you all the way sheet before you go. Yo, yo.